Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother Jim. And uh, <clears throat> I've put off for years and years writing a book for all my grandchildren about what life was like for me up until I left Estill County at the age of 17, had joined the Navy uh, during the Vietnam conflict. And I hadn't hardly been out of Estill County. I'll tell you what, I didn't, I didn't realize uh, how backward I was. And just throw me out in the world. By the time I was 19 years old, I had a patch that I could put on my uniform. World cruise around the world. I'd been around the world by the time I was 19. Isn't that something? Brother Moore was in the Navy too. Me and him share tales all the time. I thought it was funny. Uh, Brother Pittman made a remark in his preaching uh, about something related to that. And when I got out there to talk to him, I told him about an experience I had in the Navy. And Brother Moore was laughing. I thought, what's he laughing about? He had just told Brother Pittman the same story that he had experienced. <laughs> the same story. Brother Moore, we're storytellers, aren't we, brother? <laughs> All right. 1 Thessalonians, and here it's chapter 23, and I'm just going to read the last part of it where Paul said, I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I've been for the last few weeks, of course, this passage of Scripture I was using because our prayer life is how that we... So to the Spirit. That's been the preaching on Sunday night for I don't remember how long. But you think about that. The Bible tells us we don't know what to pray for. We don't. We don't know. We don't know, especially when we're praying for somebody else. I'd remind you that God has a perfect will for their life and we need to respect that when we pray for them. And if you don't know how to pray for them under those conditions... I'll tell you a prayer to pray. Lord, your will be done in that person's life to your honor and glory and praise. That's a good prayer. Good prayer to pray. But anyway, I've taken from this because he's talking about our whole spirit and soul and body being preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I told you that if I had a prayer request, if I could pick something out of the Bible somebody else had prayed about, and that's what this series has been about, this would be the one I'd want you to pray for me, that my whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Whether he returns to this earth or he comes after me and I pass from this life by death. And so here's what we've looked at related to this. I shared with you one message on the spirit, the spirit of man. One message. And there's more to be said about that. And I think maybe I might share some more with you before I get away from this. But the Bible talks about being dead spiritually. Dead. Dead. The spirit of man, listen to this, the only thing that your spirit does it is the channel through which God communicates with you. And you communicate with Him. That's why those that are spiritually dead cannot even understand the things of God. 
There isn't any way it can happen because they're not being taught the spirit to be spiritually dead doesn't mean you don't have a spirit. It simply means that that spirit, that God don't live there. You have natural life, but you do not have divine life in the spirit. When God saves someone, the Holy Spirit comes, and you might remember that I shared with you a statement that someone had written, and I wrote it down, and I don't have it with me tonight. It was T.P. Simmons is who it was, and he talked about when, when a person was saved, it, happened, it happens in the spirit below consciousness. If you know the Lord tonight, you, you know that you have been made spiritually alive. You know that. And you might remember that I shared with you uh, that the Bible is very clear about something. And I'll read those two verses in your hearing. They're in 1 John chapter 4 and chapter uh, 3 and chapter 4. And here's what it says. It says this in chapter 3 verse 24. And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him and he in him. Listen to this. And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the spirit which he has given us. Don't you ever tell your preacher that you can't know you're saved. Don't tell him. He'll tell you right real quickly that the Bible would say different from that. And then in chapter 4 and verse 13 it says, Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us because he hath given us his spirit. Now where does the Holy Spirit come to when he, come, when he comes to a person? In the spirit of man. And so automatically that person is able to hear from God. God communes with him and he with God. And so that's the reason why an unsaved person, they can pray till they're blue in the face, but they are not praying to God. It's like the old saying goes, it don't get any higher than the ceiling when a person is not saved, simply because God's spirit is not there. But once he's there, then we're moved. And like I said about prayer, we're moved by the burden that God places on our heart and, and we pray things that we're burdened for, that, that we're concerned about, that we care about, uh, even when we are praying for ourselves. And so I shared with you, now this is what the message was last Sunday night, and I got more comments about that. Most of them, not all of them, but most of them come from social media. People heard something they had never heard before. Never heard before. And the reason that they've never heard it is because it's just not preached or taught. But what happens is that, and I'm going to be sharing this about the soul. I'm going to be sharing with you exactly what the Bible says about the faculties of the soul. And here's what I preached about the last time. Is that a person who is not saved is a soulish individual. And I shared with you the Greek words and how they're used in the Bible. You all are familiar with that text in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God because they are spiritually discerned. And I shared with you what those Greek words were. Exactly what they were. Natural, the Greek word, says that he's a soulish being. 
He's governed by the soul. Governed by the soul. Not governed by the spirit, because God's not there. But he's governed by the soul. But spiritual means that that which governs an individual has changed in their life. If you're saved tonight, what's happened to you, you have moved from being a soulish being to a spiritual being. That's what's happened to you. That's the reason those verses say what they do about this is how we know we're saved. Because of the spirit that he's given us, we know that we're saved. And so the Bible is very clear about something that someone that's unsaved is not interested in the things of God. They have no interest in it. They, neither, they don't understand it, neither do they want to. They have no desire to. And I know probably many of you have witnessed to someone who is not saved and they do not want to hear that. They'll let you know in a heartbeat. If that's what you, I, I remember this one time that I was in the yard of this man and I asked him a question, you know, something like, well, if you, if you were to die, do you know where you'd spend eternity? He told me, if that's what you're here to talk to me about, you can get back in that car and leave. I said, okay. <laughs> and I got back in my car and I left. I understood what he was saying. I knew exactly what he was saying. And I left. But to make a long story short, when that man died, I preached a Christian's funeral. I preached his funeral. He come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. I never did say anything else to him, but he came to that knowledge as that's the way God works. How many of you know that when God gets ready to save somebody, He saves them. He saves them in spite of themselves. You know, uh, Armenians in this world teach that we're saved by decision. You made a decision, but that wasn't what saved you. You wouldn't have made it if there wasn't spiritual life that had come to you. That's what happens to a person. That comes to us. I know because I've been saved. And I, I, I didn't understand it at the time, but the more the longer I live and the more I read and study and preach this book, the more I understand that. And so uh, when the Spirit comes in one, a person is no longer governed by the soul, but they are governed by the Spirit. That's the reason we can know we're saved, because we're governed by the Spirit. And now briefly in that uh in that study, I shared with you, just I told you this when I shared this, that I would tell you briefly what's in the soul generally, but I was wanting to tell you more about what's in the soul according to what the Bible says. And I shared with you that the intellect is in the soul. If that weren't true, if the intellect was in the spirit, all the unsaved people have no intellect. They're pure idiots. They have none. I shared with you the affections are in the soul. That are those things that we love and care about. If it was in the spirit, then the unsaved would have none. They wouldn't love nothing. They wouldn't care about nothing. I shared with you the volition is in the soul. That means the will. The will is in the soul. If the, if the will was in the spirit, then nobody would have a will. And I shared with you, the conscience is in the soul. And if that's not true, then all unsaved people have zero conscience. They don't have conscience. But we know they do. And the Bible tells us in the book of Romans that they do. 
And so those were the four things. And then I shared with you the body, this is what's in the body. The sight, the hearing, the smell, the taste, and the touch. Makes sense, don't it? That's what's in the body. That are the senses that are in the body. But boy, when you go to digging into what's in the soul, then we understand more and more how that we are, a, 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 how that naturally a person is a one person governed by the soul. Governed by the soul. So the faculties are in the soul. Now let me share with you something of a definition of the soul. And in the Hebrew, the word in the Old Testament, neophesh, is a word for the soul. It's found 673 times. Primarily, it means the soul. Secondary meaning is life. Yes, you will find in the Old Testament the word soul just connected to life in general. Living, living person. And so that's the secondary meaning. In the New Testament is suke. Suke. And it's found 102 times. 58 times it is the soul, and 40 times it is life, and the primary meaning is the soul. The secondary meaning uh, is a life. And uh, you might remember that I was sharing with you from that passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians 2.14, uh, the natural man is sukikos, sukikos. And it's a soulish being. That's what the meaning of that is. The spiritual man uh, is pneumatikos. And it is, uh, it means that a person is governed by the spirit. Saved people are governed by the spirit. That don't mean that we're loyal to that and faithful to that. It don't mean we don't slip up and uh, let the lust of the flesh take over. I preached about that this morning. Those things that are a temptation to the Christian that causes our priorities to be wrong. And I shared with you, you get your priorities wrong, you're going to be in trouble with the Lord. If you really are saved, He will not let that happen to you. If you really are saved. And every once in a while I have somebody say, well, I tell you what, I knew old so-and-so, you know, he walked up the front of the church and made a profession of faith and was baptized and become a church member. And in a little while, he went back out in the world. He was worse off than he ever was before. And he's done just fine. I want to tell you all something tonight. There are people who make a profession of faith that are not saved. I said something about decisional regeneration. It's a decision don't save you, but you'll make a decision if the Lord saves you. You will do that. You will profess Christ. I was witnessing to somebody the other day and I uh, quoted them the scripture that says, With the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Them's in the right order, by the way. With the heart man believeth. You say, well, I, I thought I believed with my head. You believe with your heart if the Spirit is working in your life. And then with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. And you know what? That's what happens to everybody that's saved. God gives them a new heart. He changes their heart. That's why every once in a while I tell you, if we're in a worship service and somebody steps out and comes up and takes the preacher by the hand and says, I've repented of my sin and I'm confessing Christ as my Savior and I want to follow Him in baptism and membership in the Lord's church. You know what happened? 
They had life before they made that first step out of that pew. Or they would not have made it. Dead men don't walk. And that's a fact. And so we learn what the meaning of the Hebrew or Greek word for soul by its context. By its context. Sometimes it is used to talk about the very existence of man. In Leviticus in chapter 17 uh, is a passage of scripture and I'll read it to you right quickly. 17.11 I think it is. And uh, yes, here it is. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. And he says, I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. Now, the last part of that passage of scripture, I'll share with you about that. You see, what I'm going to do before I get out of this, I'm going to share with you a special, special truth. What sins? Is it your soul or your spirit? I'm going to teach you your spirit does not sin. Your spirit cannot sin, but your soul sure can. And it's what needs to be atoned for. But it says the life is in the flesh. In that verse of Scripture, the word uh, life there in that is nephesh. It is the same word that's interpreted the soul. And sometimes the immortal part uh, is... uh, Uh, distinct from the body. In the scripture, it's just separating the two. Immortal part from that which is mortal. It separates them. Uh, I'll give you an example in Genesis chapter 35, and I'll read this for you. Genesis 35, and uh, this is in verse 18. 35 and verse 18. 18. I'm going to read 16 through 19. It's all good. And they journeyed from Bethel, and there was but a little way to come to Ephrath. And Rachel travailed, and she had hard labor. She was about to give birth to Benjamin. And it came to pass when she was in hard labor that the midwife said unto her, Fear not, for thou shalt bear a son. And it came to pass, uh, as her soul was departing, that verse separates the soul from the body. And when you die, if, 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 we die, if the Lord delays His coming long enough, every single one of us here tonight is going to die. We're just going to die. You know what's going to happen when we die? The soul will depart from the body. And as her soul was departing, for she died, that she called His name Benoni, but his father, Jacob, called him Benjamin, and so that was his name. And Rachel died, and she was buried, the Bible says. So that's an example there of the soul being distinguished uh, from the body. Uh, Another one, Jesus talking about that in the book of Luke, uh, in the book of Luke, and I'm going to read chapter 12, and... um, Let's see, in chapter 12 and uh, in verse 4 and 5. Jesus said this, And I say unto you, my friend, be not afraid of them that kill the body, and after that have no more 
that they can do. You know, if somebody wants to kill me, they can't do no more. That's it. And he says, but it will, but I will forewarn you whom you shall fear. Fear him which after he hath killed hath the power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. You know what he's talking about, don't you? He's fear, fear God. That is to reverently respect him in all things. And so he's talking about that. Now I want to start by sharing with you all. And here's what I want you to do. If you're interested in this, I'll be, rather than have you turn to so many passages of Scripture, I'll read them to you, and you can, you can if you've got pencil and paper, you can write it down, you can write it down, and write the Scripture passages down, because I'm going to share with you everything that is in the soul. Everything. And when I get through sharing with you everything that is a part of the soul, now remember, it's not a part of the spirit. That's only the place where God dwells in us. And it's not going to be about the body because the only thing in the body are the senses, the five senses. But what I'm going to share with you, just you would be surprised what all is in the soul. And when I talk about a soulish person, a natural, the natural man, it is someone governed by these attributes of the soul. So, if you want to get a piece of paper to write these down. Now, first of all, the emotions are in the soul. The emotions are in the soul. Now, I'm going to read scriptures that bear that out. First of all, love is there. Love is in the soul. It's not in the spirit. It's not in the body. But it's in the soul. Here's what it says in 1 Samuel chapter 18 in verse 1. The soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him with all his soul. So that's where love is. It's in the soul. The Bible also says this in Matthew chapter 22 and verse 37. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and all thy soul and all thy mind. So, friend, if you love the Lord tonight, you know where that's at. It is in your soul. Now you say, preacher, you preach all the time that when the Lord saves someone, he puts, he puts the love in there. In, and where does he put that? In the soul. Because listen, when God saves someone, they're not governed by the soul anymore. They're governed by the spirit. And the spirit changes that in the soul. A question came to my mind when I was studying this. wonder what kind of changes happen to the soul after we leave this world and we go to heaven. Well, I know what one of them is for sure. Because I've shared with you many times, you know, when I get to glory, God's going to have to take some of those, you know, we, we remember everything we've seen, everything we've heard, everything we've done, good, bad, and ugly. And it's just more than I can imagine that when a person goes to heaven, he would remember some of the rotten things that he's done. You know, God has saved people who have murdered somebody. 
You know, we think that's one of the worst sins anybody commits is take someone's life. There's been people who've took people's lives and they never was caught. I knew one of them. He was my great uncle. <laughs> he was my great uncle and he left this earth uh, and people knew that he had took people's life. And I mean, the whole family would tell you about it. Of course, he's been gone for a long, long time. One time he was on a construction job. They was building a bridge. And he killed a man, threw him down in the concrete form, and they poured the concrete for that bridge. Somewhere in this world, there's a man in in the concrete. Nobody ever found him. They didn't know what happened to him. He just disappeared. And my uncle, it was told of him that he was the one that done it. And that was more than once. There's been people who've killed somebody and got away with it. And God saved them. Let me tell you something. When God saves you, the Bible says he forgives you of your sin. There's no such thing as a big and a little. Sin is sin. And when God forgives someone and restores them and saves their unworthy soul, their sin is forgiven. And, uh, of course, I believe if I'd done that, I'd want to try to make it right. I might go say, well, you go ahead and lock me up and let me serve my time. (laughs) Because I I did that or whatever. But some people have. Now, not only is love there, but hate is there too. It is in the soul. Hate is in the soul. And here's what the Bible says about that. 2 Samuel Chapter 5 and verse 18. The Jebusites, which are hated of David's soul. That's how he hated them. The hatred was in his soul. Now, bitterness is there. Bitterness, the Bible tells us that. Scripture uses the word vexed for being bitter. And here's the passage of Scripture. In 2 Kings chapter 4 and verse 27. For her soul is vexed within her. Her soul was made bitter within her. Now, fear is in the soul. Not in the spirit. Now, only fear that's in the spirit is reverence for God. He put it there. But fear is in the soul. In Acts chapter 2 verse 43 And fear came upon every soul. Fear came upon every soul. Now, to be troubled is in the soul. By the way, your personality is there. If you think somebody's got an awesome personality, that's where it's coming from. It comes from their soul. It's not the body, and it's not the spirit. The spirit is only for communing with God. But trouble is there. Job, in chapter 3 and verse 20, wherefore is given life unto the bitter in soul. Bitter in soul. So you see, the Bible actually says that, that that's where that is. Grief is in the soul. Matthew chapter 26 and verse 38, the soul, my soul, is exceedingly sorrowful even unto death. My soul is sorrowful. Well, isn't that amazing that those things are in the soul? But then I'll close with this one. 
Joy is in the soul. In Isaiah chapter 61 and verse 10, Thy soul shall be joyful in my God. Isn't it amazing? So the emotions are all in the soul. They're in the soul. Now I want you to keep them, keep that in mind. Keep that in mind as we study that. Because I've got a whole lot of other things to share with you that the Bible tells us are in the soul. And what will happen from this study is that you will understand what a soulish person is. The natural man. That they are governed. Now listen, you, you can already see it happening in these scripture passages that I've shared with you about the fact that the emotions are in the soul. Do you know anybody who is governed completely by their emotions? I've known people like that. They were not capable of being governed by the Spirit because God's divine life was not there. And so what's left? To be governed by your fear, governed by your joy, governed by your bitterness, governed by your troubles. All of those things are in the soul. So we've seen that from the Word of God tonight. Now, I've got this wrote on a piece of paper here, taking notes, because I couldn't remember it all. And so if you fail to get it written down, you just bring a piece of paper, it'll be in my Bible, and I'll give it to you, and you can write those things down and the Scripture passages that I've read to you. Father, we thank you that you teach us what we are really like. And Lord, anybody that knows you as their personal Lord and Savior tonight has to praise you and honor you because you have done an awesome thing for us. You have come in and you've taken over. You've taken over in our spirit. And not only has it affected our spirit and our ability to pray and communicate with you and you with us and you to lead us and guide us, but you change the soul also. You take away its power to govern our actions and our attitude. That's how we know we're saved. Because God, you have changed us. And I know I'm saved tonight, not because I'm worthy, not because I deserve that. And I have always wondered how you could love me with an everlasting love. But Father, I know for sure after knowing you for almost 60 years of my life, that you've changed me and you continue to do so, and I praise you for it. And so what I'm saying in this prayer, I'm giving you all the honor and glory for what's happened to me. It's an awesome thing. And I pray, God, you continue to take my attitudes and my words and my thoughts and my actions Continue to change them because I know who's in control. Now bless us as we sing this closing number. Speak to our heart. If there's commitments that anyone needs to make publicly tonight, that this would be the hour that it's made and that you'd be honored by it. In Jesus' name and for his sake we pray. Amen. And would you stand together with me while Brother Ronnie comes to lead us in a closing number.